Today we're doing The Faculty from 1998, directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by horror master Kevin Williamson. I don't know if he qualifies as horror master, but he did, he did write Scream and Vampire Diaries. So, I mean, it was a very liked show. Very successful. That came out with two other spinoffs after that. Would you classify that as horror, though? More, I mean, it has horror-esque because it still has the vampires. A lot of the vampires are still evil, but I think it would be more romance, like yeah. teen drama, really. He also did Dawson's Creek, which, as I said last week, you missed out on, buddy. So nah. you need to go back and rewatch that on some streaming network where it's available. So nah. he is responsible for the late horror 90s surge of horror movies, especially slashers. Scream, I know he did last summer. Um, he influenced some lesser ones like Urban Legends, Valentine, which happens to be ones that we keep reviewing for some, <laughs> odd, for some odd reason. We seem to be obsessed with watching those movies. And now today we have The Faculty, which I guess is the sci-fi equivalent of Scream because you have self-aware characters who have seen sci-fi movies. You have a lot of meta-references. They're people who have seen the thing. They've seen Puppet Masters and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Probably Invasion of the Body Snatchers is the main influence for this movie. Would you say that's oh, correct? yes. Because the thing about the uh, whole plot with Invasion of the Body Snatchers is aliens taking over people's body. Well, not really people's bodies. It, take, it takes the form of the people and then kills off the original. This one, the actual aliens gets inside the person and takes them over like a parasite. Yes, and... Basically, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they would change the person's personality. Once they were infected, they would basically become almost like a, a Ritalin, like, drugged person where they lost their personality. Which is almost what they did here, but they just changed their personality to be the opposite of what they were when they before they were taken over by these parasites. Exactly. And I guess the parasites here, when they do, they do take you over, characters remain intelligent, self-aware... Well, and um, also, the, uh, even though the parasite is taking them over, it doesn't necessarily kill the person themselves. Yeah, there's been plenty of remakes of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's one in the 90s called Body Snatchers. I read an article today that said basically this was supposed to be Invasion of the Body Snatchers for a new generation. I guess the 90s generation. And also, of course, The Thing was a heavy influence. We see specific scenes here, like the blood testing scene, which we'll get to in a little bit, that clearly owes a lot to John Carpenter and The Thing. The first time I saw the movie, sort of a funny story, funny for me at least, very relevant to my childhood. Back in the day, of course, you had basic cable, and then you had movie premium channels like Showtime, HBO, Cinemax, Skinemax. By this time, I was most excited about the Disney Channel, but, you know, these channels might be an extra $10 a month, $5 a month, whatever, but I was 11 years old, so it's not like I could afford anything, so it was up to my parents to buy these channels, and they wouldn't do it, but what they did do was they found in a local newspaper a little advertisement for a black box, and this black box had the magical ability to unscramble the movie premium channels and give them to us for free, so they ordered it. Three days later, a random guy from West Virginia shows up, maybe from West Virginia, maybe from Nilbog, I forgot what the advertisement said. It might have been a green box, but I think it's a black box. Plugged it in, hit the unscramble button. Suddenly, HBO became crystal clear on my TV screen, and the faculty was available to me for free. And that's the first time I saw it. Thank you, Black Box. Thank you, Nobog. All props to Troll 2, my first view in the faculty. When did you first see the faculty? Obviously not in Manilbog, sir. I think uh, maybe it's your favorite movie, so maybe, but who knows? I will throw my slipper at you. Okay, Repo Man, all right? <laughs> or re- Rope the Rope of the Musical, whatever it is. So, so. anyway... 
for me, what it did was, is, uh, unfortunately, I saw the TV edited version because uh, I was watching on uh, one day it was sci-fi and they were having like an alien marathon. So you watched Tremors that day? Nah, uh, no. Because you do think Tremors are aliens. Potentially. But, but sci-fi so, didn't hear your theory because they didn't put in the, the alien marathon. Well, here's, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. That is only a theory because we still haven't watched sequels yet. Um, anyway. And we never will. Then I guess the Tremors are predators. Well, we might watch part two because we didn't have a bet. We looked up the IMDb of Tremors 2 and it actually is like a highly rated movie. What the hell? <laughs> what are you doing, IMDb people? How? Anyways, I haven't seen it, so I can't, I can't comment. But anyway, so it started off with Alien, went on to Predator. There we go. And then all of a sudden, the faculty came on. I've already, the, the, this was the first time I saw Alien, like my 100th time seeing the Predator. And this is my first time seeing the faculty. It was, I believe, 1999 when I watched it. You saw the edited TV version of the faculty? Yes. This movie is a solid rated R. You saw the PG sci-fi version? Unfortunately. No F-bombs, no nudity, nothing? Unfortunately. Commercial breaks? Exactly. I didn't even see the actual movie until maybe three years ago when I believe at the time it was on Netflix. There we go. And I watched it and I was like, this was this was a rated R movie. What did sci-fi do to this? You must have been like, what the hell did I watch on sci-fi? This is a totally different movie. Right, and I'm just like, there's nudity in this movie. So, Man, I didn't watch this with my dad. So for folks out there who haven't seen the movie, this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy podcast. But first thing, before listening to the podcast, we recommend you go watch the movie. Not on sci-fi, though. Not, not the TV version like Nick did. Do things the right way. Watch the unedited version. Get the Blu-ray. Watch it on Pluto TV, where Nick told me apparently it's streaming. Yeah, it's streaming on Pluto TV for free. I know none of you have Pluto TV, but if you do, turn it on. And then come back and listen to the podcast, because... We're going to pretend today that you've already seen the movie because we're going to go deep analysis on, you know, the characters, when they became aliens, their motivations. And the first spoiler is that this movie has Salma Hayek in it. It's not really a spoiler, but I thought it's cool that she's in this. So. Well, her and Famke Jensen. Which, unfortunately, I don't think we know how to pronounce her name properly. Uh, I don't. I'm just saying it because that's literally how her name is spelled. And I was always taught in school say it as it looks what's her character's name maybe we can just call her by her character's name does anybody remember? do you remember <laughs> okay well um famke i'm just gonna say famke or we call her jensen jensen is it jensen with the m though isn't it or is it with the n i believe it's with an m okay jensen we'll say jensen and and you know outside of butchering her name i gotta say she's a great actress she's listening to this she's the best gene gray of all time in all the x-men movies x-men one x-men two those movies, She's a very beautiful woman. Those movies never got the damn Dark Phoenix saga right, but I appreciate that they keep trying. <laughs> um, great in everything she does, and respect her as an actress, but just can't get her name right. The next movie we do with her, we promise we'll make sure we get her name pronounced properly. Allegedly. We just got to hear her like in an interview say her name. I mean, it can't, right. be, that, can't be that hard. So, so anyways. We also cannot forget the always beautiful Jordana Brewster. Yes, this is her first movie. This is an amazing cast. Oh, yeah. You got Robert Patrick, Chris McDonald, Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett. John Stewart. Jesus. Usher. Heavily featured on the poster, which we'll get to in a moment, but doesn't really reflect his screen time. No. So, okay. Let's go ahead and talk about that. We'll address that right now. There's a couple posters of the movie online. A couple? Like four. All of the posters for this has Usher in the front. Like, he's the main character. Yeah. They, you would think he's either the main character or the next secondary character but he's 
he's he's billed like he's a part of the group. Like he's a part of the group, but he's not a part of the group. Only has three minutes of screen time. So this is his first movie, and I don't even know if he would consider this like his movie because like he's in the movie for three minutes, and like you're right, it doesn't have any kind of character really. I mean, I think it's it's purely exercise in marketing commerce because at the time the movie came out, Usher was one of the biggest R&B celebrities. Seems like it'd be a different demographic for a sci-fi horror, but personally. Um, they should have gotten Wesley Snipes and given him a bigger role. I'm down with that. He could stab one of the aliens in the eye and say, some motherfucker's always trying to skate uphill. Exactly. I'm down. Let's do it. And if he's in Wesley trouble... Wesley Snipes, call us. If he's in any trouble, then Whistler would come and help him out. So. Exactly. Wesley Snipes, call us. We'll, we got an alien movie for you. Well, there's two things that stand out. The cast and the amazing soundtrack. Oh, yes. We have great the, hell, 90s rock music here. So. After... Well, I guess we should talk about Robert Patrick's scene first before we can talk about the very first song that even plays with this. Yeah, um, so we have Robert Patrick as our football head coach. Which we see is a complete and utter ass. He is a dictator if there ever was one as a coach. I mean, that's what you get when you get Robert Pat, uh, Patrick. Yeah, and but apparently there's someone who's going to take him out here because we see a shadow approaching him. And his, his, vo- his face is just looks at this person and went, what do you want? Interesting, because... You know, knowing what we know, like, yeah, his reaction is like not intimidated by who he sees, but well, also just like, what the hell are you doing on the football field? Right. So obviously, it's someone who does not belong on that football field. So we know from the beginning that Stan is not the Stan's not the the queen. Nope. <laughs> because clearly, it's not a football player that he recognizes. And Usher's not the queen. Right. Those are two football players we have in the movie. So, okay. So, anyways, this is to show Robert Patrick's character being converted, infected, turned into an alien. Exactly. Or maybe turn into a T-1000. We don't know. I'm thinking alien, though. I'm thinking alien, because he doesn't do the same things he can do as a T-1000. We then cut to our principal. Pretty much mentioning there's no budget for anything except for uh, the football the football team, because, you know, the football team for any school brings in the money. Absolutely. There's no, there's no money for arts and crafts. There's no money for drama. drama or TV. But if you're the classroom final destination, there is money for a trip to France. Sons of bitches. You got what you deserve, Flight 180. So if Robert Patrick was on that plane, he could have saved everybody. That's actually true. You're right. Whatever water was on the plane, he would be consuming all the water on the plane. You, know, you do know that the human body consists of, what, 70% water? Yeah, but you realize... So the, does that mean he can be drinking out of a human? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I think that's probably part of the conversion process is to drink their, their water. So. Okay. I don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. So clearly this is not the faculty of the school from Final Destination because there's no, there were no budget cuts happening in that school. They're staying after, after hours for this meeting. Everybody goes home. Principal, who is actually Mrs. Drake, is the principal's name. Yep. She forgets her keys and goes back to get her keys. And, and Robert Patrick wants some of that. He yeah. keeps telling her how beautiful she is. I think he even says that she smells good, too. Yeah, but he doesn't want to date. He wants to convert into an alien. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so but uh, since she doesn't know anything about aliens at the moment, she uh, assumes he's just a creep and slashes him in the face. She assumes she's going to go home and tomorrow press charges. Yeah, she she is, and she is bashing him. She not only scratches him in the face with her keys, but when they get to the uh, science area, she th- she smashes his face a couple of times with a glass bottle till it breaks. True, and at one point, 
She's running to the door to escape him, and we get him actually running as if he's the T-1000. Now, <laughs> is there anybody in movies that runs better than freaking Robert Patrick? Forrest Gump. Well, he runs further, but not, not better. <laughs> Nobody runs further in film. Forrest um, Gump. All right, do a quick list. All right, the best run, best runners in film. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, of course. Forrest Gump. Chris McDonald's character. Uh, Shooter McGavin. Yeah. Remember, he had to run from a lot of people. He had to run from that eight-foot dude who was like, Shooter McGavin, I will get you. <laughs> as far as villains running in a serious manner, nobody does it better than Robert Patrick. Unfortunately, she outruns him and gets outside. Only to find the other teacher has it's already, already been converted. already been converted to an alien and, and, and thus actually... Stabs the living hell out of her. Now, this is weird. So, we see the conversion process of the movie... And usually it doesn't involve actually murdering the person, killing them. Usually it's like some weird thing where you... It, it just, all you got to do is get like one of the uh, parasites out of the one body into the other. So when she stabs her, let's say she actually kills her. If she's dead, can, can they then actually still convert her back into an alien when she's actually died? I don't well, know. Par- that might be an early plot flaw because I would think if they have her... They now put the thing into her, the slug, whatever, like that. But stabbing with a scissor seems like just killing her. Yeah, well, guess what? It still worked out anyway because she comes back as an alien. Yeah, well, forget all logic here. She's now an alien. Well, I mean, she still has plenty of water in her body. Yeah, I'm not saying... I'm not talking about Robert Patrick being thirsty and drinking her water in this case. I'm talking about her being an alien. Well, if you don't remember the uh, science scene, the, when the aliens went into the water, they reproduced. Ah, but I'm just saying, is there any other example in the movie where a character dies, is murdered, and then still becomes an alien? Mrs. Drake. Oh, that's who we're seeing. <laughs> exactly. What, what? That's who happens. I to. said, is there any other scene? Anyways, uh, you're killing me. So anyways, I got to say, this was actually, this is a very like horror movie opening. The rest of the movie is not horror. Yeah, because now we open up to the offspring. Well, yeah, now I'm taking clearly out of the horror because we don't cut to a creepy score. We cut to the motherfucking offspring. Right. And, and now I feel just... And also... Off, I, feel and off, much, I feel off base from watching, from hearing offspring. And then uh, as we're watching offspring, we're getting all of our characters thrown to us in text boxes. So this is supposed to... So one read about Kevin Williams' influence for the movie, too. And like one thing is he's influenced heavily by The Breakfast Club. Well, I mean, we definitely get a Breakfast Club-esque thing here. Yeah, and Breakfast Club basically was essentially stereotypical teenagers who didn't want to be their stereotypes and wanted to become different people, basically. So this movie has a heavy influence of that. We get your typical teen stereotypes. We get Elijah Wood playing the nerd, the nerd who bullied a probably, lot. probably does some of the similar things that Nick did in high school as far as drama class. Um, and video production. Video production. But no, he did journalism. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, between the, with the nerds, it's either. Then you got Stokely, who's your pretty much your uh, high school goth. Now, interesting fact, I'm just gonna throw it right now. So the actress is a lesbian, and in the movie, she's playing a straight woman pretending to be a lesbian to distance herself from the masses of high school kids. So it makes you makes me wonder, what a role. It does make me wonder one thing. Because we never find out what exactly happened to that woman in her past to make her want to pretend to be a lesbian so people will stay away from her. I don't know. In, in her Something own... had to have happened to her to get that kind of trauma. I don't know, but what's funny is we see 
early on, we see Casey getting physically bullied. Oh, yeah. And by the way, they're like beating his ass. Oh, yeah. They, they like, pick that, him up and slam his nuts into the pole. I mean, I've heard of wedgies and like, you know, taking someone's lunch money. But yeah, they're kicking his ass. Like, where, where's the damn faculty to actually intervene here? Like someone, where's the cops? Someone help my man out. He's getting like destroyed. Nah, this is a, this is Elijah Wood pre Lord of the Rings. He's not a badass yet. Yeah, he's getting his ass kicked. So he's getting physical bullied. But in Stokely's case, um, Jordana Brewster played who plays um, what's her face? What's her Dahlia. name? Dahlia. Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> so Delilah, she's like. I was close. Not at all. You can't say Famke's name. You can't say. <laughs> think of a damn song. Hey there, Delilah. So Delilah is like verbally bullying Stokely pretty much. So she's getting bullied for, for being a lesbian. So they're both getting bullied. Just one's getting bullied verbally and one's getting bullied by getting his, his ass kicked. Yep. We also have, oh, we didn't even talk about Zeke, Josh Hartnett. Yeah, but he's not getting bullied. No, he's not. So fresh off Halloween H2, our boy Josh Hartnett shows up in his, uh, it's like a 1970 Pontiac something. Yeah, and uh, he's pretty much the resident drug dealer slash chemist you wouldn't peg as a chemist. Well, he's the archetype of the intelligent underachiever who's repeating his senior class. Because he wants to. Who happens to, in this movie, be smarter than all the teachers probably even. <laughs> like, so... The smart guy who, for some reason, is trying and is just here to contribute to the deconstruction of America. Sounds um, good to me. Oh, but hey, sounds I, like a great buddy. I like him, man. I'm like, hey, man, let's let's hang out. So. Well, let's all. Well, here's one. Uh, we didn't exactly. I know we mentioned him. We didn't exactly introduce Stan. Stan, our football team captain. And what stands out about Stan is that he doesn't want to play football anymore. He wants to be smart. Be known for his academics. Which his girlfriend Delilah clearly incorrectly points out, you're not good at academics. You're good at football. And I found myself being like, man, I'm a jerk for thinking this way, but she's a bitch. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, it's his senior year. Play the damn football, man. Get the scholarship. Hey, yeah, go, see, he probably cost yourself a free education. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, his whole thing is he wants to graduate school because of how smart he is, not just because he can play some football. Look, man, he's probably getting free. He doesn't know how to play the game. He's getting free A's from his teachers right now. Exactly. Man, listen, get into college, and then in college, with the free education, now focus on the academics. I feel like he's being very wise, and I get what he's saying, but start on that next year. This year, the senior year, get the scholarship to the, the college, and then drop football. Which is what Usher's thinking, so he takes back, takes over the uh, captain position. Well, Usher's the friend who basically still wants to steal your position and take over your role and then still claim to be your friend. So, cause Usher's like dapping up. The oh, and it is only there for like three minutes. But Usher, first of all, why isn't Usher in the damn musical department? Why is he even playing football? The man can sing like nobody else. Uh, I guess he can play football too. Oh, hey, it's a good backup plan. Maybe he doesn't want to look like a nerd like me because I like drama and video production. Hey, you got a free trip to New York out of it, right? Yeah, I did. Well, you got to pay for well, it. Yeah, I was about to say. So, um, who do we leave out? Oh, there's a transfer student from somewhere. Which, in Alabama. And even further than that, as it turns out. But uh, Mary Beth Joseph. Uh, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. Louise Hutchinson. And she introduced herself as. Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. Now, the only person I know with an accent similar to that is Nick. So, Nick, was that like an authentic Southern accent? No, that was very exaggerated, especially since we've both have known that she is damn Canadian. 
Yes, the actress the is Canadian. Close... Does she do? Does she do a good job impersonating that at all? She sounded like she watched a bunch of Larry the Cable Guy tapes and just re- reenacted his damn dialect. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, as we said, spoiler heavy. We're gonna go ahead and just throw it out there right now. And Nick, can I get a quick drum roll? Our queen alien is Mary Elizabeth Louise Hutchinson. <laughs> Where do you get Mary Elizabeth? <laughs> Mary, Mary Beth. Beth. Mary Beth. Look, she has seven names. Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. Is that right? Mary Beth? Okay, good. All right, give me another drum roll. All right? And the queen alien is Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson. Thank you. From Alabama. But hold on. Why I want to bring that up now is because, listen, this Southern accent, right? Obviously, she's not from Alabama. She's from, she's from a, a planet far away, we're assuming. From, Which the only clue we get about her planet was it used to be extremely uh, ocean-heavy. Well, there's a bigger clue. I'm thinking it's Pluto since it's streaming on Pluto TV. Ah, probably. I mean, this makes sense to me logically. But Pluto's no longer a planet. Wherever the movie Pluto Nash took, took place on. I don't know. But listen, what I'm saying is, on the way here on the spaceship, maybe the only thing she had available was Joe Dirt. And based on that, she came here and has that accent. And maybe she saw Joe Dirt Part 2 also. What do you think? Okay, if she saw Joe Dirt Part 2, why didn't she just turn her spaceship around and go back the other way? She should have done anyways. Exactly. After her first day of school, she just said, fuck this shit. Because high school is not a friendly place that she's going to find out. Well, here's the question. Is this even a traditional high school? I've not, I have not seen any legitimate classroom scene. Um. Well, there is a scene with Zeke and... Um, Famke as her as teacher, and Famke asks a question, and Zeke, being the uh, the savant that he is, answers the question perfectly, and she but does it in a way that annoys her because she's basically saying all its potential and you know whatever. No, so. what she's seeing is a handsome guy that she's trying not to flirt with because he is legal for her. Yeah, well, he's repeating the senior class, so we're gonna assume he's about nineteen years old. And yeah. to be honest, Famke is probably in her early 20s. Yeah, but it's not a matter of legalities. It's that she, as his teacher, yeah. would be in some big trouble. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of scandals lately in the news about the older female teacher and the younger female student and that or younger male student. And, and I mean, I wouldn't mind the sec- that first one. Well, yeah, I'm sure you were probably <laughs> in one of those scandals back in the day. So uh, wherever you grew up in the backwoods. so. <sighs> It was just your older sister, though. It wasn't the teacher, though. So. Well, it's a good thing I didn't have any older sisters. Oh, well. What happened to her? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, we've clicked off the rails here. Yeah, so that was a classroom scene, though. Was that also... Remember, we have, um, we have Stokely and Stan in the classroom, and we have the history teacher who, of course, is drunk. Oh, yeah. And probably okay. every high school has a history teacher who's... Or at least one teacher who's quietly getting drunk throughout the day. Oh, he wasn't quiet about it. There was no way that man was quiet about it. You know, when that guy becomes an alien, he actually becomes a better teacher. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he becomes way more are you, focused. Are you sure he becomes a better teacher? He comes in and goes, okay, everybody. <laughs> okay, class. Uh, I need names of all your <laughs> living family relatives. <laughs> and I need the names of your closest living family relatives. Starts with your mom and your dad, the people you live with, and go further from there. <laughs> hey, you know what's so funny about that scene is what Stan says. It's like... Is this going to be all the test? <laughs> this is the test. <laughs> it's like unintentionally funny. I'm like, Stan, you idiot. I was like, this is why you're not going to succeed in academics, right? You're asking if your family background is going to be on the test. Anyways. I literally would have looked at this teacher and go, no. 
But look, look at like that scene, like the zest he has for teaching that wasn't there when he was like a human being. As an alien, it looks like he's pretty dedicated to his job now. So. Well, the t- well, that's because the alien wants more yum-yums. So speaking of aliens, one thing we do establish in the faculty lounge, let's call it, is that Robert Patrick is there drinking all the damn water. Yeah, so we pretty much figure out that these aliens actually need water to survive, which makes me wonder, how come we never really see any of these characters, like, dry up and shrivel up? Dry and shrivel up because they're losing so much water due to these damn parasites in them. I don't know, but I do know that that's the the reason why, I guess, given that the... The homemade drugs that Zeke's been selling at school ends up being their kryptonite because... It dries them out. It dries them out pretty much. It's such a strong thing that he cooked up in his meth lab that he has in his parents' basement. Yeah, the we established basically that most of the faculty at this point is starting to become aliens pretty much. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, you got to... So, quick question. So, if they, if they turned you to an alien... Would you just be drinking Mountain Dew all the time still, or would you actually convert to water? I would have to convert to water. That dries you out. That is actually dehydration. But your addiction to Mountain Dew is so strong that you may actually say, fuck it, and just do it. <laughs> you're like, you're like, like I'm going to die tomorrow, but I'm going out with Dew. That, or it will just kill the uh, parasite inside of me, and then I'll be normal again. Actually, right. But wouldn't you, burn, wouldn't you melt with it, though? Don't listen to those lies. Remember, the science teacher lived. So... Wait, what, huh? Yeah, the, in the ending credits, you see the science teacher with an eye patch and oh. his hand wrapped up because well, he got his fingers cut off. No, but that's just John Stewart being funny. I thought that was hilarious, but that was <laughs> No, um, he li- that, that he lived. So let me say this. Uh, Zeke is a hustler because he's selling fake IDs in the bathroom that don't look like the person <laughs> at all. Right. And like, man, this doesn't even look like me. Yeah, and they show and it doesn't look like me at all. I think that was supposed to be the joke. Yeah, but it's just, I'm just saying, the fact that he's doing drugs, fake IDs, videotapes of a naked Jennifer Love Hewitt and Nev Campbell in the parking lot, which I'm guessing that's just like a random episode of Party Five since they're both on that show. Probably. Do you see in the faculty lounge, do you see Jon Stewart foreshadow his own death? Basically, Jon Stewart is talking to Salma Hayek. He's indicating something like basically that maybe they have dated or he's trying to get a date with her. And she's just talking about how she's sick and ignoring him. And he's like, he leaves, he's like, why don't you just put a pen in my eye? I'm like... That's not foreshadowing. That's literally saying what your death is going to be. That's all a little I, bit on the nose. All I know is uh, who wouldn't ask Salma Hayek out on a date? Robert Patrick. He's more interested in the um, the old British lady. Most likely. He's most likely tried. Probably. I get the feeling before he became an alien, he tried. Delilah, unsupportive girlfriend. Basically, he's going to break up with Stan because he's no longer a, a quarterback. How superficial is the relationship that she's literally like, well, I'm a cheerleader. You're a quarterback. But by the way, she's a cheerleader, but she's also... Like editor of the school paper. So yeah, I wrote. What the hell? I wrote down. Delilah she, is a bitch in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but she's violating. She's violating her own rules. Like she's like, oh, it's so cool to be editor the mag or editor the school paper. Well, to be honest with you, she. I just don't know about her. She just wants to be in the spotlight. And what's one way of being in the spotlight? Her. She's an editor of the newspaper. Now her face is always on the newspaper. What's another way? Her boyfriend is captain of the football team, so she's always going to those kind of dances. And most likely, they're always winning prom king and queen. I'm guessing her next move is to get with Usher because he's becoming the new football team quarterback. Once Stan tells the coach that he no longer wants to be the captain of the team, he drops out and Usher becomes the new quarterback. Well, remember, so. the minute he told her that uh, he wasn't going to be captain anymore, she pretty much ended things right she then there. You could tell we can... We can basically gather that there wasn't much to their relationship. No, no. So they go off in different directions, and 
So Mary Beth uh, Louise Hutchinson really um, has taken a liking to Stokely. Yes, and this is where we can really theorize because, okay, this is her first day at the school as Queen Alien, and she's sort of trying to fit in, but also trying to find her way amongst humans and observe our behavior. And I'm theorizing, I'm thinking she attracts a Stokely because she sees her carrying a science fiction book and can relate to that uh, for obvious reasons. And she actually comments like, oh, you're one of those science fiction people. So she starts hanging out with Stokely, almost stalking Stokely. So I honestly thought she was just interested in Stokely just because she was different from everyone else around her at that point. Well, I think about it, everyone else is dressed pretty normally, like a regular student. And then you got Stokely, who's just all black, decked out, hair dyed like the darker red. Yes. You no, know, she pretty much looks like the personification of death. If I'm an alien and I'm going to learn as much as, as possible about the human race, then I'm going to gravitate towards the loners who are away from the group. Mm-hmm. Why are you away from the group? What's different about you? So I think she does take, because then, because after Stokely, she then takes an interest in Zeke, who is also obviously an outsider. Yeah, but to be honest with Zeke. I think with Zeke, though, she was just trying to get a fake ID, though. So. Oh, and no. some, some of his drugs, too. No, I was going to say, uh, for Zeke, Zeke, though, it's not the fact that he's an outsider. It's the fact that he doesn't want anyone close to him, because you find out about his family history. He's not exactly one to get close, considering the fact that, look, one of his parents is dead. The other one took off. Yeah, his relationship with his parents makes him who he is. He basically has decided to not engage in life in any productive way. Uh, yeah, one thing we got to say is like, I think we've kind of skirted over this, but Zeke's actually a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> he actually is selling drugs in the parking lot. And the funny thing is, he's doing it out of pens. The faculty, the, the school knows this because his teacher, Famke, well, comes to his car in the parking lot where he does his business. Where he also offers Where's the cops her, at? Send this man to jail. Where he off, also offers her condoms. And also laxatives. Yes. No idea why you offer Famke laxatives. She doesn't exactly need to lose any weight. Yeah, but what he didn't offer her was... He didn't offer her videotapes of a naked Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Nah, maybe she maybe wants, that's what she wanted, right? No, she wanted a naked Josh Hartnett. John Stewart plays, of course... A chemistry teacher. Yes. We find out that Casey has actually discovered a new species. Yes. A parasite, and if we were. A parasite. And John Stewart, being the wonderful chemistry teacher he is, decides to... Poke and prod. Poke and prod. And... Gets, dump water on it. Dump water on it and, and watches it multiply. And then gets his finger bitten. Like a dumbass. Quick question. Where do those teeth come from? That's one question. <laughs> Second question. Why does, why does Zeke know more about John... Know, why does he know more than chemistry about John Stewart? Because Zeke's a drug dealer and he makes his own drugs. He has to know chemistry in order to make them. True. Okay. Believe it or not, a lot of drug dealers, if they decided to go into science under chemistry, they'd probably make it rich. Of course. I've seen Breaking Bad. Jesse in Breaking Bad was a, a he was like, yeah, science. Eventually he was very well chemistry oriented. But quick question though. Okay. John Stewart, when he gets bit by the thing on his finger, is that actually how he got converted, for him, how he got converted to an alien? It's very possible that maybe what eventually converted him was, because the, the parasites are gone in a later scene, so it's very possible that Robert Patrick probably forced him down his throat. But the actual just biting of his finger, you don't think that was enough to actually turn him into an alien? Probably. Because the rules aren't really established. No, they're not, but it also doesn't seem like these things would be able to multiply into his bloodstream just from a small bite right okay 
I was curious notice because how when it finally duplicated, it was the exact same, uh, you know, length and thickness as the other one. Okay. Because I'm curious because, again, we saw how Salma Hayek gets converted, and we saw, again, the principal gets stabbed with the scissors. So, and then we also see uh, Dwayne Martin, the cop, get converted in the room. But it's not well, we didn't cl- technically see him get converted. It's implied. We see the aftermath. Which is the Im- implication. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm just trying <clears throat> to gather the rules of the conversion process. Oh, yeah, we should probably mention the principal isn't exactly dead yet. No. Just because she was stabbed doesn't mean she's dead. That's what I was talking about earlier. She's an alien. So um, one thing about Casey being bullied, Usher in one of his two scenes... Bullies Casey. <laughs> yeah, and there's a weird line because Stan comes and stands there and Stan walks by Casey and Casey's like, it must blow being you. Shouldn't that be Stan saying that to Casey? How does Casey? Why, how is Casey saying so, to him, it must blow being you? So to be fair, when it comes to being bullied, you pretty much know what you're getting into. When you're popular, everyone expects something of you. Yeah, but why is, and if you're not, why is Casey dissing Stan? Stan didn't do anything to him. Casey isn't dissing him. Casey's pretty much saying, I'm glad I'm not you because I don't need that kind of pressure on my shoulders. But wouldn't it make just as much sense for Stan to walk by and be like, I'm, it must blow being you. Well, yeah, it would. Bullied. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be an asshole thing to say. But. Either way, both ways. And you can kind of see Stan's uh, face towards Casey. Like he wanted to say something, then realized who he was talking to. It was like, you have no idea. I think Stan was basically thinking, listen, last week I would have beat you up, but today I'm, I've changed my ways. Right. So I'm just going to walk by and go take a shower and get bombarded and attacked by Mrs. Brummel, who is a melting old lady. But um, I'm melting. Yeah. Save that, me, Stan. So I guess this is where my answer, my, my question to that. She drank too much Mountain Dew. No. Uh, because she is so old, her body couldn't withstand the parasite. And the parasite took too much of her water and she eventually died from it. So they did actually explain that in the movie. Yes. So there's my question. Answered. But are we sure that she didn't just... Have a heart attack from the att- original attack? No, I think she's been visiting the vending machine too much and having too much Mountain Dew. Nah. Because, I mean, look, old age, her body couldn't take it, or she did the do too much? <sighs> no, her body just couldn't take it. Okay. Well, she but, uh, melted all over the bathroom floor. So, now, this is a neat little uh, monologue. Here's some, This is something I kind of definitely liked about Stan's characters you get a pretty much a monologue of how he just doesn't want to be this type of person anymore he doesn't want to be the jock he wants to be known for his academics instead of being just the jock who's handed A's he wants to actually work for it you're talking about when Stokely starts up a conversation with them they sit down for the first time they're getting to know each other and they're starting to find out hey like we've been combative and confrontational with each other but well, we're actually not that far off. Like we, it's actually revealed that Stokely has Likes, been following his football career even. Yeah, Stokely actually uh, has a crush on Stan. So Stan's right. Very wise. He gives a speech about, hey, I'm so sick of everybody kissing my ass. I'm so sick of getting all this free stuff, getting free A's. I'm sick of being treated like a king. And I'm just watching and being like, Stan, you idiot. You, <laughs> you had it made, and, and, and now you want to focus on your academics? Actually, I think, again— it's the right move for him, but I think it's too early. I think he should go to college first and then do this. So, uh, now we've already talked about the classroom scene. So, I guess the next scene is the fact that uh, Casey and uh, Delilah, Delilah, 
Thank you. Why, what are you. why are you struggling with the name Delilah? So Casey and Delilah, because for some reason I want to say Dahlia. Anyway. Dahlia? <laughs> so Casey and Delilah decide that they're going to team up because they both have a slight understanding of what's going on. So for some reason, uh, in order to get help, Delilah goes to Stan, I guess for muscle. Whereas Casey goes to a little bit more of a logical choice and goes to Stokely. Okay, so we just skip a couple things. We'll just say very quickly that how they got there essentially was, of course, they ended up hiding in a closet and watching Robert Patrick infect some Hayek. Yes. I, one thing, the only thing I wanted to run down about that scene, though, is that on the way there to the, to the thing, they're investigating the faculty lounge because they're trying to find a new story. On the way there, walking, Casey's literally like, hey, I think I discovered a new species. And she's like, boring. I'm like, that's not good enough for your school paper that he discovered a new damn species? Okay, no. Anyways, I thought it was funny that she just totally blew it off. Like She was like, nah, I don't care about that. Oh, and remember his little flirting line, just, just the one little flirting line throughout <laughs> the whole thing that makes her look like she's extremely aroused after he says it. You know, you'd be cool sometimes if you aren't such a bitch. Yeah, so their relationship, which I'm not fully buying at any point in the movie, but if I was going to theorize human psychology, if Delilah's used to being treated as, you know, a prom queen, was beautiful, somebody calling her a bitch and questioning that can tickle her fancy because it's different. So she's st- him standing up to her. She does suddenly seem interested a little bit. He's smelling her cologne. And now, of course, they're on this thing together where they're, they're basically stumbling upon a plot of aliens. Yeah, they decide to play seven minutes in heaven inside the wrong closet. Yeah, and this is where Dwayne Martin comes. And, of course, the cops are always useless in horror movies. So Dwayne Martin, instead of questioning the, the principal, ends up getting converted to an alien. Yep. And, says, and comes out and says, there's nothing going on here. Yep. So uh, also somewhere throughout this whole exchange of characters meeting up, we get Zeke meeting up with Mary Beth or I guess Mary Beth going to Zeke. Well, this again. So watching this time, I'm all about just following Mary Beth and seeing what she's doing. Does it make sense that she's the alien with alien be making these moves? And again, she's initiating interaction with who she wants to interact with. She started with Stokely. She pushed Stokely actually in the direction to talk to Stan. Right. And now they got their thing. And now Mary Beth is like, okay, who is the next person I can interact with? Now she sees Zeke. She's been following him a little bit in the background because he was in the chemistry class and she saw that he's intelligent. But when he, when she approaches him though, he already knows that this is Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson because he's obviously been hearing her introduce herself also. Well, and then, uh, and also throughout this entire day of all these characters starting to come together, the faculty is calling students in periodically to convert them. Yes, under the guise of an ear exam or something just normal. I mean, I don't know. Right. So, um, and one of the characters converted is Famke, and she turns into from nerdy teacher well, nerdy hot teacher to smoking hot teacher. The best the best analogy I can give for what happens to her is what happens to the girl and she's all that. <laughs> where the aliens were like, we got six weeks to turn her into the prom queen. And then they just convert her and she takes off her glasses, puts on makeup, and now she's the prom queen. Yeah. Famke proceeds to embarrass Zeke. and Or attempts to. Zeke uh, tries to play it off. You can see where it's starting to rattle him. It's like, okay, something's definitely going on here. He's like... 
Woman, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he even goes, man, she's got some bad shit. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, Zeke keeps his cool, calm, cool, collected in the face of anything. So, so I guess this is also the scene where we get introduced that he makes his own drugs. He doesn't just get them from a supplier. He makes them. Yeah, she takes Mary Beth into the the lab where he, she says, you know, you borrow stuff from Mary, and he says, I prefer to call it stealing, which is pretty funny. <laughs> he, doesn't, he does not sugarcoat things. Nope. And then we get a fight scene. Whoa, whoa, whoa. One thing I want to say first, too, because you were talking about basically how, yeah, Delilah goes and gets Stan. Yeah, I don't know why. That, that wasn't explained well. It makes sense why Casey goes to Stokely because he can pick her brain on science fiction stuff. Mm. But we show them talking in the library, and they're theorizing. There's actually some smart shit they're talking about because they're talking about, you know, well, Casey's theory is that maybe Spielberg and, you know, all these directors and writers before, maybe, like, they've seen aliens and they're just trying to warn us. Or and, they are aliens. Or they are aliens. And Stokely's, like, shutting them down, being like, well, you know, uh, this was just, uh, well, basically they're referencing puppet masters and body snatchers and it's actually like, so they're freaking shit out basically. And I can understand why they're talking. We don't get to see any scene of like a Delilah and, and Stan actually figuring shit like out. So because... I feel like she went to him for muscles. Cause again, he's on the football team. So he has to be able to be in good shape. I'm going to try to give her character benefit of the doubt. And, and she wants to at least communicate with her ex-boyfriend to help save him. I'm yeah. giving her the better doubt that she's a somewhat caring individual, hopefully. Yeah, so now... Uh, now we can get to our fight scene. Yeah, we get to our fight scene. First, Zeke plays off like, acting like he was infected and then starts teasing Casey when the science teacher walks in. John Stewart, who, you know, um, we can, we, we're going we're gonna to surmise that this chemistry teacher has been doing stand-up comedy on the side. His career in comedy is now working quite out. And we can also surmise he's been doing some curling. Yes. Because damn if he doesn't pick up Zeke like he's a damn ragdoll. Well, that's alien strength. That's not his strength. <laughs> he didn't earn that through gym workouts. He earned that through a damn slug parasite going into his ears and him now having that alien strength. Also, here's a real question. What is Stan doing? Because even Casey tries to jump in on this fight. Stan's standing in the background doing nothing. <laughs> to be fair, Casey runs for the door and... The teacher grabs him and throws him. He still tried to do something. He tried to run. <laughs> That's still besides the point. Stan just stood there. Stan did just stand there. <laughs> so at least Casey Well, listen. Had... This is why Stan wants to get into academics, because he can't fight. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was... He was scared if he got in a fight in the football locker room with another player. I love how you get him. all three versions of conflict going through this. You got Zeke, who goes through... The fight response. You got Casey who goes through flight, and then you get Stan who just goes through utter fear. John Stewart reveals that he's an alien now. The characters know for sure that aliens are taking over. Uh, one thing I want to highlight in the scene too, when um, before John Stewart comes in, I do like the line that Casey gives to Stan because this made sense to me, and this is maybe sums up the movie basically. Because like Stan's kind of like you know, why us? Why this high school? And Casey gives the explanation of, like, if you were aliens, would you, like, blow up the White House independent style or would you come in through the back door? Always that go made, through the back door. Yeah, that made sense. Going through, going through the back door, starting off with, like, a little small town high school and working your way up, that's a better strategy than just coming in through the sky and blowing up the White House. Yeah, because think about how easily the military would be able to destroy a queen alien by herself before she infects anybody. 
this makes sense to me that the plan is to infect this whole town and then slowly expand and take over. Pretty much get an army before, get an army or just... So what needs to happen this time before this spreads is the, the, the army commander from Return Living Dead needs to go ahead and, you know, call, in, call his commander and nuke this damn town. That's really the end of the movie here is the Return Living Dead ending, so... All right, so now that they know what's going on, they decide to walk randomly to the parking lot in a long, drawn-out, slow-motion scene, which shows everybody looks like has been converted because they're all staring at them. Oh, yeah. And, and even that one couple that keeps beating the shit out of each other, they're just they're, they're wrapped up. They're not fighting. They're doing nothing. They're just staring. Yeah. And it's like, so, y'all aren't fighting. Yeah, and now... So my theory, again, is that because... Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, our Queen Ellen, is walking with them is the reason why they are somewhat protected as they walk. Because if anybody thinks to jump them, John Stewart aside, you can see, well, the Queen's walking with them, so don't, so let her do her thing. She has some kind of plan here. I have to imagine that all the aliens know that's her Queen. So she's kind of giving them a look like stand down, and that's why they can walk clearly all the way to the parking lot into Zeke's See, car. And I feel like we should have gotten some kind of uh, uh, close-up facial expression of her face. It'd be too obvious, though. Not if, depending on how they did it. Like, maybe do a close-up of all the characters' faces just looking. They do actually, in the slow-motion walk, it's funny, they do a close-up on Stan's face, and they do a close-up on Stokely's face, and I think maybe Delilah... But you definitely don't get a close-up on Mary Beth's face. Yeah. In fact, you'll notice as the movie goes that Mary Beth is almost always in the background. She's never at the forefront of the action. There's very few close-ups on her, actually. She's still in the background that process of elimination so far, if we were playing the guessing game, we'd probably say she's the Ellen because she's the new kid in town. And as we soon, we'll soon find out, she has some allergies. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, we technically already got that. That was the scene they were uh, going stealing. Yep. And actually, so, by the way, the way they kill John Stewart, stab him in the eye with a pen. But that had uh, the scat in it. Yeah, and that's, this is where in the movie we find out that this scat is going to be, you know, the way, the way to kill the aliens. Yeah, kill the aliens, but apparently if you don't make it a vital spot on the human itself, it actually saves the human. Oh, okay. As we see with John Stewart. I got a question. They're driving to Zeke's place and Zeke's car. How the hell they fit four people in the back seat of Zeke's car? They have uh, four people, four adults in the back seat. Easy. One sits on Stan's lap. I thought like winky, I, winky. I try to freeze frame because I try to see if there's like a camera trick here because they show two people and then they, they pan across and then you, you you can see kind of a cut there and they show those two. But No, you're right. Casey would be the smaller one, so Casey would be the one sitting on somebody's lap. But nobody is. They're all just there. So it's either a very nice camera trick because or Four adults are not fitting in that back seat. Or it's a clown car. And, well, I guess so, because, yeah, apparently <laughs> nine motherfuckers can, can climb out of there. So. Ooh, killer clowns from outer space. Okay. <laughs> so now we get to a great scene. This is the blood testing scene because, well, first they actually experiment on... A rat. A rat, and they kill the rat. Yep, poor because, Zeke. Well, they convert to an alien first and then kill him. Um, but now it comes the blood test because... We have to figure out, are any of our teen characters actually aliens? We put them to test one by one. They take the scat. They're all laughing like crazy, except for Zeke. 
I mean, listen, for a homemade drug, this is very effective because they all lose their freaking mind. <laughs> Even Zeke breaks out laughing at one point. Yep. But we get to Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson and we get to Delilah and they're having a Mexican standoff because Delilah won't take it unless Mary Beth does as well. Now, this is where it's very interesting. So we know Mary Beth, of course. Is the queen. Is the queen. So she's not going to take the scat. Delilah... We're going to find out in the scene that she's actually been infected. So I'm thinking about what they're doing here because clearly they, they're working together. But Because boobs. No, because they're both aliens. Oh, okay. And one is, one is the queen. But are they working together in the scene? Because why is Delilah so standoffish towards the queen? Because Delilah wants to be the queen. I think that's probably it, honestly. <laughs> Remember, Delilah's character is to be queen bitch. I feel she like she wants to be the spotlight and everything. So right. why not be a spotlight as a alien as well? I'm thinking a normal alien, let's say a good alien soldier, role player, whatever, is going to do whatever he can at all costs at this moment to protect the queen, to vo- to take all suspicion away from the queen and put it on themselves in order to save the queen. But Delilah, but she's like she's like I'm not taking this guy unless unless the queen unless she does. Yeah, but Delilah's power. Delilah's a rebel. Yeah, apparently she has so much power in wanting to be queen bitch. Even as an alien, she still can't just, like, be satisfied. She's still like, well, if they kill the queen bitch with the scat, I'm the next one in line. (laughs) So, unfortunately, it doesn't work out. And Delilah destroys the chemistry lab and flees the scene to a car that's driving by waiting for her. Yeah. This is all very convenient. I love it. Very much. And And so we decide to go to probably the dumbest place for the climax, in my opinion. Why? Why? Oh, wait, wait. Before we do that, one thing, though. Um, so we also were discussing, because we were texting about this, we talked about this earlier, basically. We were talking about the idea of when did Delilah get converted. Mm. And there's definitely some, different, some several possibilities there, because we can say that when, she, when her and Casey ran home that night, then maybe the faculty showed up at her house and converted her. Which is kind of what Casey saw that same night, except her, his dad came out and called him before the faculty could get him. Yeah, exactly. And... Delilah did show up. She did show up to school in glasses the next day, which is very untypical, atypical behavior. For and her. also late, actually. Yeah. But, so I think that's plausible. But I'm going to go with during the fight scene with Jon Stewart. What I caught was that mostly, you know, um, Delilah and Mary Beth were in the background. But one point, at one point, you do see three little slug things crawling up Delilah's legs. And they show Mary Beth go to help her, and she's about to touch her legs, but then they cut away. And then you don't see them again until the very end when they're walking out. So it was very clever, and I'm thinking that's when Delilah got infected. Because she does act way the, more combative after that. Okay, well, back so to now, the movie. Back, so back to the movie. Now, now they got the plan going of... Their plan is pretty much uh, find, the queen, find the queen bee and... You know, pretty much lure into the school during the football game where everyone is being infected. Did you see the highlights of the football game where, like, the football players are, like, destroying the other team? Yes. And, again, I want to mention this is probably the worst time to try and have a climax because the because this these queen, these aliens are, might as well be bees. 
Seriously, the Queen Bee really hasn't done much throughout this whole movie except for infect maybe two people in this whole movie. Maybe. And then you got all the worker bees that's infecting everybody, making the hive grow stronger and stronger as the time goes. Hey, look, part of being a leader is delegating responsibility and sitting on your ass and chilling while the worker bees carry the honey for you. Which so, is fine, but why that. in the hell would you go to where you know almost everybody there is an alien? And try to fight the queen there. You're talking about the teenagers? Yes. Well, the true, well, okay. If their plan now is to basically kill the queen. Which they believe is the principal. Because they did not see the early, the very first scene we did. So they have to go wherever the queen is and take her out. Now, what I want to take a moment to laugh at is during these football scenes of the football team just murdering the other team, (laughs) they cut to Robert Patrick and... I've never seen this guy like so happy and so smiling. He's having, he looks so happy. He's like giving this shit eating grin because it's amazing because their plans are coming all together in all of his movies. He's always pretty stone faced. This one moment of him like reacting to the football player doing the the backflip. It's amazing because he's so happy in that moment. And I'm like, man, you know, becoming an alien is really just like enhance some of these people's lives. So that's just my thing. So here's the real question then. Is becoming an alien a bad thing? No. <laughs> I mean, you got to drink a lot of water. You got to carry water. You got to carry a water bottle around all day. But, but listen, staying hydrated—that's part of being a human, right? So. All right. So they uh, did get a chance to lure the principal into the uh, auditor into their little gym area. Auditorium. Auditorium. Yeah. So they did lure the principal into the auditorium when they believe she's the queen. And then they start to hesitate like little idiots. Well, well he's like, I mean, he has a gun base and he's like going to shoot her in the head. But she's like, Casey, are you on drugs? And that sounds like a very normal thing a principal would say to him. Especially so. since they really are on drugs. And she's actually right. She's like, <laughs> right. she's like, motherfucker, you're on drugs. Literally this whole climax of this, of this movie. If they kept the whole alien bit a secret, and then we saw that part, the whole climax could have been a drug-induced high hallucination. This, this is a very pro-drug movie. I mean, <laughs> drugs are the answer to everything in this movie. Right. But, I mean, look, it's a tough choice because if she's not an alien, you're about to murder her, which apparently Zeke doesn't give a fuck and just takes the gun and shoots her in the head. So. Which we find out she was an alien, so Mary Beth throws the entire Almost all of the concoction they made on the queen. Well, she's been or a, on the principal. Being the queen bee, she's being very smart. She's eliminating all of the stuff that could actually kill her. Not all. Zeke still had three. Okay, here, here's my problem with this scene, though. We as the audience know the principal is an alien. Yes. How much better is this scene if at this point in the movie we don't know if the principal has been converted. Oh, it would have been so much better. Now this whole thing, now we're in their shoes. And if we didn't see like her being stabbed like 50 times. Yeah. Keep the principal mystery the whole movie because when they shoot her in the head and she falls over and he's like, guys, I think we made a mistake. We as the audience, we're not enjoying this because we're like, yeah, no, we's like, she's an alien. But if they kept that a mystery, then we're in on the suspense. Right. It's one little thing you could have like just quick tweak of that so so they beat the principal and then stan uh, mr academic mr <laughs> wants to focus on his being intelligent comes up with a master intelligent plan to go to the entire football <laughs> team entire football team the entire football team you know i'm just gonna say it right now man i don't know his future in academics man if he's making dumb decisions like this 
This is not a bright plan, Stan. Not a, not a, not a good plan. Um, okay, first of all, once they know it's not the principal, they're like, okay, well, it's got to be the coach for whatever reason. Well, first, they st- they're still just trying to check to make sure everyone is not infected anymore. And then Stan comes back infected. Well, and, and by the way, good props to Stan for preparing by taking one stack pen with him to go take on the whole football team. I'm sure that one pen was really going to help you, Stan. It didn't. Because it, no. as we see, the well, he, ending result is... Well, any, again, anybody with any sense would go go from a certain distance and look at the football team and see what you see. Stan runs up right face to face to the entire team, and then's like, "Oh, well, <laughs> this ain't gonna work out well." So, and now also in this scene, so we saw earlier that the with John Stewart that with these aliens, they're pretty strong. How is Stan not able to break down this door? Well, if it's so, I would say this: if it's just Stan, him coming in there with them actually having some scat. I don't think that's a good move on his part because remember they were able to take out John Stewart. Yeah. So them as a group can take down one alien. Yeah, and they still even though he the... kicked kicked their ass first, but right. so, so I don't I don't think he would have been unless he had the whole team with him. I don't think that would have been a good move for him to break in. So we also get a pretty fun, uh, I guess, scene with Casey and Zeke now going out to grab more scat from the car. Yeah, it's in the car, so they got to go out there. Lucky for them, Stan's not out there, but. Oh, no, Stan's not out there, but then the entire damn football team comes their way. And Zeke basically says, um, one of us has got to be a decoy while I go to my car. And this is where the running of Elijah Wood is actually going to come in handy. So. Oh, yeah. So He, can't, he foreshadowed this well, early in the movie because he told the coach, he was like, I think you should only run when you're being chased. And now here we go. Well, here's the thing. He, he says that, but yet notice where he runs to. He puts himself in a corner. And on the school bus. Yes. Why would you do that? Well, not like that, but how dumb is the school team that they don't act, How dumb is the aliens they don't actually check on the school bus? They just walk by like idiots. <sighs> Except one. Hey there, Delilah. <laughs> right. Um, well, Delilah was just waiting on the bus. It seemed, it seemed like she knew he was going to be there. She, she knew. <laughs> now, she says something that gives me a little bit of backstory on her. And maybe, maybe I can convince you and we can justify her bitchiness with this one line okay so as she's talking to Casey on the bus and trying to convince the young lad to become an alien her reasoning is that hey I haven't felt this good since my dad since before my dad died what that tells me is that maybe she was someone different and then her dad died and now she's been living this so horrible the, what, bullying princess so what the hell thing. has her mom been doing to this poor girl well I don't know I mean maybe she wasn't close to her mom so <sighs> the characters in this movie clearly have a lot of them have broken relationships with their parents it's clear uh, see that but then Zeke all, but then we get Zeke versus Femke Jensen and she's just trying so hard it's like uh, lady we, we all like you you don't need to be trying this damn hard for a guy you know <laughs> Famke has come out and said that in a 2016 interview that she hasn't watched this movie because she didn't want to see what happens to her character here. This, what happens to her character is kind of funny. I laugh every time I see it. It's uh, because when the car crash happens and you just see her head just walking by 
uh, Zeke getting ready to stab him. When he sees the head just come by, the headless body just picks was, up. He's like, fuck uh, this. So what's cool is you can see this is clearly a great homage to the thing. Right. Clearly influenced by the thing. And it was a fun scene when, when, the, when she's in the car and the car crashes. And then Zeke just being like, oh, you know what? F this. I'm not even dealing with this. <laughs> right. He just leaves. It, so he leaves and him and Casey, I guess, get back to the uh, school, to the school soon enough to find out uh, Mary Beth is queen bitch. Well, she reveals it to Stokely. Yeah, by punching her dead in the face and knocking her the hell out. Well, what else was she going to do? She had to do something. Infect her. Oh, wait, she already does that. Well, sort of. She does that in the pool. It was like she saw an opportunity to now... Well, we don't know but because she basically, throughout the whole movie, could easily at any point take out the characters. Yeah, but it doesn't mean she infected them right then and there because she wanted to learn from them. Yes. Clearly, she's been observing them the entire movie, and now she sees fit to reveal herself. Naked. Yes. And this is where you, on the sci-fi channel, must have been like, oh, well, she's wearing pajamas. <laughs> and they must have photoshopped something on this woman's body. But I think if Which I'm... is probably not the actress's body. It's probably a stunt double or something. So so they go into the, uh, locker, the locker room, and Zeke does have a pretty interesting question for Mary Beth. Because she's trying to convince him that she's still just Mary Beth. Yeah, and Stokely's the queen. And Zeke's question was, why are you naked? And my only answer is, is that a problem? Yeah, for Zeke it is because they're, well, uh, well okay, I guess not. But <laughs> And she even said this, like, what, do you have a problem with my body? Does it scare you? And, and Zeke, then you find out Stokely was infected. Well, Zeke responds by trying to stab her in the eye, but then... Yeah, Stokely grabs her arm. <laughs> Zeke which ends I'm, up getting his ass kicked. So. Which I'm assuming she got infected in the pool. Because she was in that pool with the with the queen for a long time. I thought she was dead when the queen basically right. slammed her face into the pool thing. Oh, yeah. I'm like, sort of like, ow. That looked really like she probably has, she needs a CAT scan. Oh, yeah. Maybe. So now we get our climax because Zeke got his ass kicked. I don't think Zeke's going to be much help in this fight. He gets thrown across the entire locker room. <laughs> like, you hear, like, a sound, like, oh, and then he flies over the locker room. Yeah, so I don't think Zeke's going to be much help for this fight. So instead, Casey still well, runs. Well, this is what he built up to. This has got to be, I love Zeke, but this has got to be Casey's moment. Casey's the one that's been the underdog, the one getting bullied. He's set up as the Sigourney Weaver here to take on Queen Mary Beth. So Louise we Hunter. actually get a, a, a fairly good... Uh, Chase, ti chase time yeah. sequence. I'm going to say time sequence because there is a time limit to when Casey needs to get out of these bleachers because he has them starting to close. If he doesn't get out of there in time, he gets squished. You know, this is one of the best uses of bleachers that are like that because we've all seen bleachers like that, basically that close like that. Right. This is one of the best uses of that. And also, it kind of fixed. It, it kind of it definitely works better than what. They did with the train in uh, Final Destination. Well, everything would work better Because we're seeing the bleachers closing, but they're still not getting clo that much closer to Casey. We're still seeing Casey with enough time to get through the bleachers by the end of it. Look, I'm convinced that in Final Destination, <laughs> they died in that train car. They, they died in that train scene. Everything else was just like Claire having a dream or something. So, uh, so the Queen Alien, for honest for some unknown reason i don't know why the queen decided to do this but goes through the bleachers to chase them instead of going around she wasn't thinking clearly apparently not because you think by 
within two days, Mary Beth would be able to understand these bleachers close. So it would be not a good idea to go through them. Well, she didn't take shot glass. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get a great line, though, as he stabs her, as he stabs the alien. He gives a great line. He's like, you wouldn't like it her anyways. <laughs> and that's, that's a fun line for someone who's been bullied in high school to say. Now, well, you know, happy ending, but... So we cut to one month later, well, and... Zeke and Femke, I'm going to assume are together because she's sitting there watching his football game, football practice. Well, I assume that she's told him that as soon as you graduate, then we can be together because I can be a teacher and be with you at least in public. Uh, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're making it work. Well, I'm sure she's going to jail soon. So, <laughs> Shh. Um, technically, she would not go to jail because he is of age. She's probably, she would just lose her job. But if she told him that, hey, we can get together once you graduate, that would be a nice incentive for him to actually get his shit together and start studying. So. That is true because who would not want a relationship with Femke? Uh, well, apparently not us because we can't pronounce her name properly. <laughs> once we can get her name right, then we can claim that. Right. But wait a minute. My thing is, okay, I got questions. Though. I got no answers. Why is he playing football? What in the movies, what in Zeke's history that we've seen would suggest that he would want to be on the football team? How would that help him become a better whatever? And if he's doing that and taking it seriously, why the hell is he smoking a cigarette on the damn football so team? So I think, so he realized what happened is when he got thrown into the bleachers, it gave him a concussion and made him forget all about his chemistry nerdiness and made him want to be a football player. Because I understand the idea of that this whole experience has changed these teenagers forever and now they're going to have different personalities and do different things. Wouldn't it make more sense for Zeke to like to show him in the classroom studying now, taking his academics seriously? Him on the fo- him on the football field is just out of the, out of the damn green left field, well, right? Well, maybe now that he knows he can fight, be, do the whole alien thing, he's like, you know what? Let's go kick some other people's asses. Knows he can fight? He got his ass kicked, man. He got thrown across the bleachers. He's going to be getting like... Was, to a 20-foot-tall alien creature. Some damn linebacker's going to... Dest- he's going to get destroyed on the football field by some damn linebacker. Right? Yeah, well. And then we also get Stan and Stokely are together. Why does Stokely like look like all normal? The makeup's gone. Her whole personality's gone. She's a normal Mary Jo Schmo now. Because now she wants people to like her? Oh, my God. So I guess this movie was... Uh, a uh, some kind of moral thing that says goths don't like don't like people, which is not true. Goths do like people; they just like to be left alone. This movie does not care about goths. I think that I, I think the message is: do not be unique, do not be yourself, conform to whatever your classmates want you which, to do. Uh, which <laughs> that's, is that's what exactly what the aliens wanted to do anyway. So might as well let them win. Yeah, there's a big mixed message here that uh, maybe deserves some attention because. So and then yeah. here's the one thing that I wish they did not have. Casey and Delilah are together. I wish they did not do that because that does not make any sense to me. Here's why it makes sense. Simply, I'm going to go very simplistic with this. She dumped Stan because he was no longer the captain of the football team. She's now with Casey because Casey is the famous local celebrity who defeated the aliens and has news vans and news channels coming to interview him and she wants some of that fame. So does that mean everyone that was infected remembers everything that happened? Bigger question. Is everybody who was infected, is everybody back? Even the ones who died? like Maybe not the ones who died. Like I doubt the, the principal's the, back. The principal got shot in the head. Well, she also got dissolved into nothing when, uh, when fucking Mary Beth threw all that stuff on her. Famke's head got chopped off, and she's but back. But it was put back together. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was not dehydrated like the, like the principal. 
Like the coach? Is he back? Yeah, the coach is back. Oh, well, yeah, he's yelling at. Yeah. So wait, wait, so basically, what about Jon Stewart? What do you think? Oh, yeah, they have him in the in the ending credits. Back Eye patch, the fingerless hand, and like waving, he's like, huh? Salma Hayek? We didn't see anything of her, but seeing as how she was only in like two scenes, I'm going to say yes. So basically, I feel bad unless so... The principal is the only one that actually got, got, got it bad because she actually was killed. Yeah, she's the only one who died throughout this whole... But, question. Maybe she's back because... I mean, I just know she got shot in the head and dissolved, but she got stabbed with scissors early in the movie. I mean, I don't but know. But then she was turned into a, into a mindless drone. So this is going to be like Mortal Kombat Annihilation where the end of the movie, they brought everybody back to life except, except John Cage. Exactly. She's the Johnny Cage where she gets no redemption. Exactly. Okay. Well, listen... Cut to amazing soundtrack music, and our movie's over, and we get the alphabetical order listing of all the class of all the of the cast members. Um, all right, we're gonna do some couple different things real quick. Do favorite performance, standout performance, least favorite performance. Okay. Do you want to go first? I guess this is my. Oh yeah, this is your movie. You want to go first? It doesn't matter. Um, we can't go by that. <laughs> Who goes first, depending on that, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll go first, anyways. Um, standout performance. I gotta be honest, man. Like, I'm not the biggest Josh Harden fan. It's not like I've seen, like, a lot of movies with him that I like. 30 Days a Night. It doesn't do anything for me. I mean, that is what it is. But How dare you? Maybe I'll have to watch it again. But um, <laughs> uh, Poor Harbor didn't do anything for me. Um, that damn Hollywood homicide movie with uh, Harrison Ford, nothing for me. I didn't even like him in H2O. I thought he was uh, bad in H2O. I don't think anyone liked him in H2O. But... I don't know. For some reason, I don't. Maybe it's his character, but the dude is just like all swag in this movie. He's playing though a character that you can't like. Of course, the audience is gonna like this guy because the dude is like a badass, intelligent underachiever. True, but he gets the best lines in the movie. He takes all the action. His character is always is the one kind of initiating the action and getting his ass kicked at the same time. Yeah, so maybe it's like maybe it's more of a credit to the character of Zeke, but. I feel like Josh Hartner was a standout here pretty much is the main guy you cheer for outside of Elijah Wood. So I'm gonna give it to him, even though I like the whole cast. The whole cast is good. Um the uh, my least favorite performance in the movie is John Stewart. And only because I don't understand why he's in this movie. It's not a comedic role. I don't understand why he was cast. It's just it's such odd casting. He didn't do a bad job, even though after this he quickly transitioned into being out of movies completely and <laughs> being a talk show host, but it didn't do bad, but it's just, it's a weird casting choice. And normally with this, each, each movie, I'll actually be like, okay, that was a terrible performance. It's a horrible performance. And this is why I'm calling him out, but no, nah, just bad casting. So weird, weird casting. So. so for me, best performance, I'm going to say is Jordana Brewster because usually she plays characters that is very likable. You pretty much your typical girl next door. You know, you can always go up to her and talk to her. I didn't have a girl like that living next door. Did you have a girl like that living next Heck door? Heck no. I only lived in a part in a not an apartment. A uh, a neighborhood of three people. No girls allowed. Apparently, um, poor soul. Yeah. So, but this one, she played a completely different character than what she normally plays. She plays the bitch, and she played it well. Yep. Literally, she played a character that you only like her for her looks, and you can get you can see that little that the twinge of humor she kind of gets when she's picking on people. But still, at the end of the day, she's playing a character well that she does not normally play. And that, to me, 
has to go to stand out for me. Uh, the worst performance is Usher because he <laughs> did absolutely jack shit in this movie, and he get, was given one of the top billings. So again, it's like me kind of where it's like it's like a, it's a casting thing. It's just yeah, literally. Maybe if they kept some of the Usher stuff that they actually cut out of the movie in and gave him more things to do and maybe had him and Stan do a kind of a standoffish thing. Yeah, that makes maybe sense. it would make a better choice or maybe instead of the actor they got to play Stan, switch him out with Usher. Give mm-hmm. Usher more to do and then you would it would be uh, justify why he's even in this movie. Or on all the posters feature as, as if he's the main character. Right. So. Alright, let's quickly do favorite scene, least favorite scene. Okay, favorite favorite scene for me is going to be the science fight scene. You know, it was fun. It was definitely entertaining to see how all the characters reacted to such a situation because they all acted differently. And I, I like also with that, with that, just let me comment on when Z gets thrown through the um, the fish tank thing. Mm-hmm. And like the dramatic music kicks in, it's so it's so cool because like you're so drawn in, like epic music starts playing and like it's just it's a cool scene, right? Oh yeah, so that is my standout scene. Worst scene, honestly, I'm gonna give it to Stan trying to talk to Stokely after he's been turned because <laughs> the this actor, oh my gosh, it's like he could not turn go do a night and day kind of acting because now he had to be evil. He had to be kind of seductive let me in let me into the door let me in and then all of a sudden he just turns around and just does this little half-ass jog away <laughs> you know i was talking earlier about the best runs and i was saying robert patrick but i think stan in that scene when he, when he runs away from the thing it's, it's so random why is he running so fast why is he even running like that in the first place like why is he in such a rush but i have to say that's probably an extremely useless scene they did, really didn't need. i think he was honestly just making fun of team 1000 he, he ran so fast i think it was just a nod of that um okay my favorite scene is definitely the whole um the blood test scene in zeke's uh, meth lab in his basement because it's such a, a cool um homage to the thing and the it's always fun to see people pretending to be high because they're like just laughing hysterically and it's like hilarious um but uh least favorite scene is um definitely stand the shower with uh, miss brummel whose body can't take it it's a weird scene and then the whole lead up to that with usher bull and casey that's definitely my least favorite 55 second part of the movie (laughs) um all right final thoughts um for me so we obviously we we pay a lot of attention to the the late 90s horror movies and there's different tiers uh, to me, this is in the first tier. It's not quite Scream, but I think it's in the tier of Scream. It's definitely above the urban legends of the world, the Valentines, the I still know to the last summers. Um, it's, 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 it's upper tier 90s horror. Um, the cast is so damn amazing. I don't think you'll find in any movie uh, this combination of adult cast and young teen cast where everybody's a star. You think about how many stars are made from this movie, what they would go on to do. The only thing that's disappointing is that it didn't have Devin Sawa in the male cast, but I mean, <laughs> you know, my man would get idle hands a year later, so it's all good. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this movie is extremely rewatchable. I've seen it about 51 times. And, Nerd. And watching this time, though, is all about figuring out Mary Beth as the queen, what her motivations were. Obviously, she was there to observe. She wanted to get to know the human beings. And then when she saw Fitch, she decided to kill them. Um, 
rewatch this. I would say this movie you can watch many times. Just stay away from watching on the Sci-Fi Channel. Watch it uncut if you can. Um, it's the best thing since the Popeye's chicken sandwich. No, I'm not going to say that. Unless you have Chick-fil-A sauce, then you're good. Uh, I'm going three stars. The uh, the rare three stars. I can't move it up to three and a half, four stars. That's like the upper, upper, upper tier. But it's definitely a three-star movie, which for me just means that you have fun watching it, and you can rewatch it multiple times. You can watch the movie like once a year and have fun with it. So three stars. Anyway, for me, I like the characters. I like the setting. I liked the situation. And I, surprisingly enough, I actually like the villain in this, and Mary Beth, especially. Louise she, Hutchinson. Especially when she becomes Alabama. the uh, main villain, when she actually shows her true colors. She's actually pretty not intimidating, but she, they definitely got the right actors for this role. Because she did do a kind of a night and day herself. Because she's so nice and unassuming and so humble throughout the and movie. And then when the end, when the climax happens, she's walking around like, okay, time to kill some motherfuckers. Yeah, she ain't playing. And that's that scene when Wazico's flying across the lockers. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, it's got an amazing, it's got an amazing cast. They definitely did correct with the casting calls, and. I just like the movie in general, especially with, especially when even trying to watch this it, as a critic, it just still made me want to continue watching. And I didn't feel like turning it off halfway through like it did some of the some of our others. We we nitpick by design, but but there's really nothing. There's no like overwhelming tremendous plot hole that I could point to that ruins the movie for me. There's certain movies where like there's an overwhelming plot hole that brings the whole thing down. This movie it protects itself by not really needing to give too much information about the aliens' backstory, things like that. I, this is a movie also where you would love to see like a sequel or like a continuation. But I'm sorry, continue your final. So thoughts. anyway, my final my my whole rating is actually going to be matching Vicks this time. It's going to be a three as well. People go home, put it on Pluto TV, watch it, enjoy it, buy it on Blu-ray. I don't give a shit how you watch it. Just watch it. Probably Pluto TV is easy to see if you can find it. So, Or just order it on Amazon on Blu-ray. It's eleven ninety-nine. There you go. And But some people don't have Blu-ray players either, though, so I don't know. Um, if you have a PS4, you have a Blu-ray. If you have PS3, you have a Blu-ray. At least one person out there is like, oh my God, I have a PS4, I have a Blu-ray. <laughs> they just made that discovery. <laughs> anyway, everyone, you have a good night. We are tired because we kept messing up. Yeah, well, you know, things happen. So the good thing is we're still here. We haven't met our final destination, and we'll be back next week with episode 21. I know we're doing The Thing pretty soon, which is pretty much the inspiration for the faculty, so I think we'll have some fun with that also. Oh, I'm going to enjoy The Thing. Go to our website, letswatchabbmovie.com, leave reviews, subscribe to our email list, allow Nick to email you random musings about which he prefers, the KFC chicken sandwich or the Popeye's chicken sandwich, or zombie brains, or Chick-fil-A sauce. And remember, if you're somehow part of a breakfast club, just make sure it's not the aliens. Yeah, and make sure the breakfast club actually provides you with Chick-fil-A breakfast, because that's yes. the best. So. Yes, because you know, you're going to never go wrong with 30-piece chicken nuggets. Nope. All right, take care, people. Good night. <laughs>